You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. What a day, what a day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Great to have you. JT with you out of the gate as we're ready to go here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM and on the Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's doing good as we are on our way to the playoffs. If you're going, we're back here at the M Resort, Spawn Casino for the game on Saturday. Come on out and see us. We expect a really good crowd. I know you have a lot of choices to watch the game at. Why wouldn't you come to the Raiders Tavern and Grill? Get an Uber, get a cab, come on out and see us. 11 a.m. would be a good time to get there. Get a reservation, get a seat, be there with us. Eric Allen will be with me. Bruce Gradkowski will be with us. And then we have the pre-pre-game with Damon, who's running the show today. He'll be there along with Q. And it should be fun. The M has been really good to us this year. We've had a great time. I got my sister and brother-in-law in town. They're coming. I love it. Uh, Modelo's will be flowing. Cervezas, good food. A shot or two. You know, I got to work. But after the pregame's over, I got a long time to sit back and have a beverage and relax here. I don't take, I don't abuse it. I just like to have, you know, oil it up there. Have a Modelo, bucket of Modelo's, a cigar. Like to have a cigar. It's a free country. Going to a cigar bar tonight at 8 at Resorts World. 8, I don't know if you've been to that cigar bar. That If you like cigars. Join me at Resorts World. Man, I love that place. That's my new home away from home. But I'm excited. I just got into the studio here in time because I just left the coach, Rich Basaccia. I'm the only guy he sits down with. Probably a lot of it has to do with COVID protocol, taking tests and being masked up and then going into a sound stage, the studio, and it's just me and him and one of our camera guys, Sam. And we sit there and we have a nice conversation off the air, then on the air. We'll play that tomorrow. It was quick. It was four and a half, five minutes. It was quick. He had to get back to work, but he was in a great mood. And I really enjoyed the interview we did today, maybe the most, because he was happy for the entire Raider fan base for that win. Whoever went to the game on Sunday night, he talked about the celebration in the locker room, how they enjoyed that. We got into Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. I talked about Darius Phylon, the injury to him and the great stop that he made, Max Crosby. And then Daniel Carlson, because remember, Rich Basaccia, special teams coach, who's always been an assistant head coach. Not enough people have given him credit for that. I mentioned that yesterday. That NFL Network did a whole thing on picking the Cincinnati Bengals over the Raiders, and they talked about, you know, Rich Basaccia never being in a game. What? Rich Basaccia won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. He's got a Super Bowl ring. And he's coached in playoff games with the Cowboys. He was the assistant head coach of the Cowboys, the San Diego Chargers at that time. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was trusted by the organizations he worked for and the head coach to be the assistant head coach. Do you know why he got the head coach job interim? Because he was the assistant head coach of the Raiders. So the guy's now a made man. He's one of the great, great stories in Raider history. He took over under adverse conditions, and he led the Raiders to the playoffs. Jack Del Rio did that recently, and we know the history of Art Shell and other coaches that led this team to the playoffs. 
Tom Flores won two Super Bowls. John Madden won. Al Davis, as a coach, led the team to the playoffs. I mean, there's great history that now Rich Basaccia could go in that room as a made man. Yeah, I did it too, and he did it under adverse situations. So there's a lot of vibes now talking about him in the national media. There are still people that don't know how to pronounce his name, don't know how to say it because they didn't give him any credit. They didn't think it would work. And that's the theme of the show today. My job is to come up with one topic, not ten. I I do that at night. Here we need one. This is Raider Nation Radio. I will talk about the Raiders at length as long as they're in contention. After that, I move to the Raiders and LeBron James, the Raiders and baseball, the Raiders and the the Super Bowl. But I'm all Raiders radio. Why you got me here? They're in the playoffs. So I wanted to ask you today a really important question. Who do you think were the biggest doubters of the Raiders? Oh, DeMond's laughing. Oh, look at DeMond. He's like, oh, you, you came in today. You didn't think I had that, did you? That's a good you didn't one. Think you, that's a good one, right? I've been doing this 25 years. So because if not, you know, people are going to call in and just yell Raiders, which is fun. But I want to give a point of action today at 702-365-9200. You can use names. You can keep it on the up and up. You don't have to make it vindictive and personal. It might be a friend. It might be your wife. It might be your boss. I want you to shout out the name today. Because what I want to do today is I want to put the doubters to rest. I don't know if the Raiders are going to win the game. I think they will. I'm rooting for the Raiders to win every game. But I I know there's been a bunch of doubters. And you know me, every once in a while, I get a cryptic tweet out there. I tell you about the doubters, but I don't use their names. I don't want to get in a border skirmish. You've never been in my DMs. Remember, if you ever get in my DMs, it's because, A, you personally first came at me. I don't know who you are. So if you came at me with something heinous and awful, I react. I don't sit there and go, hey, man, you're a little, you're a little troll coward. I got to go after you. But my wife has got me to calm down in the new year. My DMs have been very quiet as of late. But, you know, I don't want to start a border skirmish here. But there are some people in Vegas, there are some people nationally, there's some people in the NFL, the NFL, wink, wink. So I want to know who you consider to be the biggest doubters of the Raiders for this run to the playoffs. Specifically, who are the people in your life that you said, you know something, I can't believe it, they're right. We're not going to make the playoffs. They're right. This thing's falling apart. The wheels have come off. We're going to be in the tank. And now all of a sudden they're gravitating back. Who are the frauds? Who are the doubters? At 702-365-9200. Today, I am going to do something I do every rare once in a while. I'm going to perform an exorcism on the radio. You ever see the movie The Exorcist? I'm going to do that on the radio. We are going to exorcise the demons of the... Maybe we'll get a call, demand from a Raider fan who will say, JT, I called you. A lot of people do that in sports radio. They always call me and say, JT, do you remember my call in August? And I always say, yeah, I remember your call in August. And I don't remember anything. I try to forget everything the second I get off the air and get back to my real life. But there are a lot of people that jumped on this team. And we're just having fun today. Because I got a lot of breakdowns for tomorrow. We got a couple of insiders. Vic Tafer is going to join us. And we're going to talk to Mike Petraglia, who's a Bengals insider. Johnny Katz, our entertainment insider, is going to join us a little bit later on in the show. So we got a pretty busy show. But I thought it would be fun to exercise the demons of those scoundrels, as Brett Musburger says. I love when Brett Musburger says, those scoundrels. Who are the scoundrels in media that really kicked the Raiders in the groin? Oh, and they had multiple chances this year. Are you kidding me? The Henry Ruggs fatality accident to kill Tina Tintor. 
the John Gruden released emails, uh, all the things that have happened this year, Nate Hobbs getting the DUI or not, or what's going to happen there, the accusation in the parking lot, you know, everything that's happened this year, there were a lot of detractors. So that's what I want to do today. It's a very busy day for me today. I got a lot happening today. I just interviewed the coach. I just had a meeting at M talking about what we're doing uh, this weekend. A lot of things are happening. And I'm going to see Beatles Love tonight. One of my favorite shows. Hopefully, cross my fingers, it goes on tonight. Great Cirque show. I'm going to head over to the Mirage with my sister and brother-in-law and my wife to go see that. And then a nice night out after that at Resorts World, home of Doghouse, where I'll be Monday night for that Monday night football playoff game. So I'm in my weekend mode already. I got one more show after this. I took off tonight from my serious show. I'm working tomorrow for this show, Raider Nation Radio. And then I'm going to have a long weekend Uh, Saturday, we're going to have the game, and then Sunday's going to be great. So I'm in party mode. I'm ready to roll. Man, I'm ready. If I didn't have this show today, watch out, man. I would have been out there. I would have been playing some golf. I would have had some bucket of Modellos. I would have been running around with some of my buddies because I am in playoff mode here. So I want you to be in playoff mode. Who are the detractors? And if you don't want to call in and you just want to hit me up on Twitter, at JT the Brick, the detractors who don't believe in the Raiders and were trashing the Raiders every chance they get. I'll go first. I'll go first. Boy blunder. Staley, the coach of the Chargers. He is the biggest Raider hater in the entire Raider nation. Give me the fourth and one stop, please, Damon. I like the fourth and one Phylon stop. This is the guy that hates the Raiders more than anything, and the Raiders sent a message right back at him. Herbert, back into the gun, takes the snap, backs it up, looks off to the right and reaching for the first down. I don't know where's the spot. He made, it's very close. I'm not sure he got it. I'm not sure. I'm not going to go off of the TV's yellow line. No, because they've been off tonight. Yes. Come on, that is not it. Keep my microphone on. That is not it. Do we have the fourth and one stop? Do we have that with Phylon when you find it? Because that was going to time that out here when we get to what's happening. So I think the biggest detractor of them all is Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley hates the Raiders. He went for it on fourth and one at his own 18-yard line, and that got the Raiders to win the game. He trashed John Gruden indirectly when he resigned. He despises the Raiders. He has no respect for the Raiders. He had no respect for Rich Basacci in that game on Sunday night, and that was pretty much it. So I will start off the show with that. I believe the biggest Raider hater this year was Brandon Staley. We are going to set the bar at that level as we open up the show. 702-365-9200 as we get rolling here. And we'll take your calls on that. We'll have Vic Tafer coming up here in a little bit. All of our guests that are ready to go. I think that I don't know exactly what the Raiders are doing over there after I interviewed the coach today. But if they get us someone here, they're telling me that something could be going down. We'll let you know. So let's get out to the phones and start off if we can do this. Raider Jay in the Bay. Who's the biggest Raider detractor this year? Man, there's a lot of them, JT. I mean, I even had some family members who have Raider tattoos say they want to remove their tattoo after the Washington Redskins. I won't name my family members because I love them. But you know who you are. And, um, you know, I, I really think a lot of people are on the bandwagon now. Like, mm-hmm. I listen to all the shows. You know, I'm listening. I'm, you know, on my YouTube at work. You know, I listen to you every day at 12. I take my lunch from 12 to 1, baby. 
and I'm still walking on silver and black pink clouds from the wind. And I called it, JT. Last time I called you was after the Washington game when I went to the game. I said the Cleveland Browns game is going to be the game of the year where it's going to be pivotal. That's going to be the one we're either not gonna, we're going to the playoffs or we're not. It's going to catapult us. We won that game. That was the beginning of our playoff run. We've been playoff games the last three, four weeks. And now I think we're playing, like they say, on house money. We're from Vegas. Come on, baby. I think they're going to be loose. I think I'm going to give you a score tomorrow. I'll be calling you back tomorrow. Okay. But all these detractors now, all these detractors, now they're all up on our tracks. So they're all riding our so you're So you said that there was someone, and I appreciate the call. That was interesting where he said he had detractors who had Raider tattoos. That's interesting. That means Raider fans jumped off the ship. I don't want to get too heavy today because there were some Raider fans who jumped off the ship, but we always welcome them back because this year everybody gets a hall pass. Everybody gets, you know, a mulligan because this was a really tough year. Now, I didn't jump off, but the fans who did, we welcomed them back throughout the course of the year because we wanted to hear from them because they were going through traumatic times with this team this year. This was a tough year to be a fan. Wouldn't you agree? If you've been a Raider fan since the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, the new millennium here, would you say that this was your toughest all-time year to be a fan? There were a couple of gut punches, really big gut punches along the way that a bunch of fans stayed there. They were not on the fence, and they were ready to go. So that's what I want to talk about. The fans who are back, if you call in today, that'll be good to hear. But the detractors who are out there, Jason is in Vegas here on 920. Hello, Jason. Jason is gone. We're off to a hell of a start today. Eric in Vegas. Eric, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Hey, I just want to say the guy that was a detractor was at a bar. I guess I could say distill for you guys, but charge a guy at the bar. He was just out of nowhere drunk and saying, uh, uh, F the Raiders, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then every time it'd go back and forth and then, I was kind of proud because the Raiders fans there were like, oh, okay, yeah, just, just just ignore that one Raiders Charger fan. And then finally finally uh, they scored, but he just kept on going back and forth. And but he was a Charger fan. That's all. A Charger fans are supposed to be a detractor. You don't even know who he is? One guy. No. no all right, goodbye, goodbye. To... goodbye. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about today. Some guy you saw at a bar who's a Charger fan. I opened up the show. Who in the national media? Who are the scoundrels that ripped on the Raiders? Not, hey, some guy at a bar. I don't know who he is. He doesn't like the Raiders. I knew that already. Let's reset the show. 702-365-9200. We did this like six weeks ago, something similar to that. What they were saying, I just thought it was a good day to break it out today. Alan in Vegas, you're up next. Hello, Alan, how are you? What's happening, JT? I got 1A and 1B. Uh, first, Colin Cowherd, who had Drew Locke and the Broncos being the dark horse of the AFC West and Herbert sneaking into the playoffs as a, as a wild card. Unbelievable. This guy was totally wrong. And 1B, Libby Shaft. Ooh, she wishes, there you go. She wishes that she had this Sunday night game in Oakland. And I love Oakland. I love the Coliseum. But, hey, they did not work with the Raiders at all. And I'm just so glad that we were able to put on a show for her and say, hey, you could have had us. You didn't want us. Guess what? We're moving on. All right. Yeah, that's good. Libby is a good one. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you checking in. Uh, th- hey, Damon. Damon, put the phones aside. Thank you. 
Let's concentrate on the show. All right, so Libby is a good one because Libby uh, clearly did not want the Raiders in Oakland. Libby Schaff, the mayor of Oakland, was not prepared to keep the Raiders. She's an awful politician, not a human being. I don't know her well. I've met her a few times, but she's a terrible, terrible politician, absolutely terrible politician who's one of the ma- one of the many reasons why the Raiders aren't still in Oakland because they're the worst politicians in all of sports. You don't hear me talking about the issues that have to do with the economy and inflation and shipping and this or that, Oakland and the – none of that. Libby Schaff was in over her head, and I hope someone's recording this in the Bay. Libby was in over her head with sports because she didn't know anything about sports. She didn't know the history of the Raiders, and she didn't care about the Raiders nor she didn't want to roll up her sleeves to keep the Raiders because she wasn't prepared to do it because the politicians in the East Bay voted in and out of office every few years, and they don't care about sports. The Warriors aren't there. The A's are out of business. The A's are pretty much out of business. I mean, literally, I go to flea markets here in Vegas that have more fans than they have in Oakland, and Oakland has some of the best sporting fans I've ever seen in my life, the most passionate, and she's running them out of town. Fabian is in Vegas. Fabian, thanks for calling in. Who's the biggest Raiders scoundrel? I'll tell you, JT, Chris Collinsworth. Ooh. The reason why. I... Ooh. Ooh. I, I like Collinsworth on the call in pro football focus. What's his problem? Well, JT, you know, I drove back from Vegas, back to the South Bay here. I sit down after unpacking, put the game on to start watching it. And my wife comes into the room and says, you know what? I was really surprised how biased the announcer was. And I go, which one? She goes, the, 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 younger, the younger guy. I go, Chris Collinsworth? Yeah, him. He's, he's biased against the Raiders. Well, I mean, why, why is he biased? Because he's calling the game and you feel like there's homerism to the opponent? <clears throat> well, her opinion was basically that uh, he had nothing positive to say about the Raiders during the game. I mean, you're supposed to be impartial. I mean, he, you know, and I've seen more other comments uh, online how mm-hmm. Collinsworth's comments were uh, he was very... Uh, anti-Raider during the game. Okay. You know, I didn't see that. Thank you. I was at the game, and uh, I would watch it, but I know there was a little bit of confusion between Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and what was happening with down and distance with the timeout or what they were going to do, play for a tie or not, but... You know, that's the first I heard there. Look, I've known this over my career. Joe Buck, whenever Joe Buck does a game, half the country hates him because he thinks he's against their team. And I think that's a compliment to Joe Buck because he's not against any team. He's a great broadcaster. He's the number one voice for Fox for football and baseball. That's hard to do. He's in that chair for a reason. But fans think there is a bias there when it comes to that. If you think there's a broadcasting bias out there, I think there's a national conspiracy against the Raiders coverage and I've been telling you about that for decades and what it is simply there's a jealousy factor where people that don't work for the Raiders love the mystique and they think the Raiders are cool and the logo and they know their history and they're not in that click so they hate the Raiders because that's the way they do it or they generally are a fan of another team and they love that other team and that other team hates the Raiders more than the Raiders hate them the ultimate compliment I could say about the Raiders is this their number one rival, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I've, every, I've been asked a thousand times, who's the number one rival of the Raiders? I don't know the answer to that. But I do know the number one rival of the Chargers, Kansas City and Denver, it's the Raiders. So all three of those teams 
You don't hear a Charger fan saying our number one rival is Kansas City or a Kansas City fan saying our number one rival is Denver. They all turn their energy and their fan bases, and some are pretty large. Kansas City and Denver have a massive fan base. They despise the Raiders. So those are fans who are always piling on the silver and black because they truly don't like the Raiders. Now the Raiders have a rivalry with Pittsburgh, the Immaculate Reception and all those games, the Dolphins, all those great games. They have rivalries with other teams in the AFC, the Tuck Rule, and New England. Right? So the Raiders have massive rivalries around. But the Raiders never look at one team in particular. It's probably Kansas City. Kansas City's at the top of that list. But there are a lot of teams that the Raiders respect and want to play and beat. But all of those teams combined, they hate the Raiders. And it's a stew. It's a potion of jealousy, real hatred, passion for their teams. That's why I love working for this team. Wherever I go, whenever I get to an airport, I'm wearing a coat or something, a jacket, someone sees it. There's always a conversation about the Raiders, and mostly from Raider fans who say it's us against the world. Uh, Brad in Las Vegas. Great Vegas calls today on 920. Appreciate it. Hey, JT. I'm going I'm to call out some locals, sports writers. Ed Graney, that ginger... Oh, don't make no, like nothing personal. I am great friends with Ed. Okay. I think he's okay. a, I think he's clearly the best sports writer well, I've ever seen in this market. Raiders. His take on the Raiders really pisses me off. And then his co his sidekick on his morning show, that Tyler Bishop, that guy is a phony and a fraud. Well, I wouldn't call they, Tyler, who's also a friend of the station, a phony or a fraud either. I mean, you're call, you're talking inside the walls of our station. I wouldn't say that. Okay, well, I apologize for talking okay. inside the walls of your station, but I listened to their show Monday morning, all fired up mm-hmm. to listen to what they had to say about the Raiders, and all they did was say how how bad the Raiders are, and they can't believe they made it to the playoffs, and they're the worst team in the playoffs. So that's where I'm coming from. I don't like that. I don't appreciate that, and they should be supporting the local team. That's all I got to say. All right, I appreciate that. DeMond, you're in the station much more than I am. I mean, you're a, you're a man of all. You can fix anything. You're on the air. You can run the board and all that. There's no truth to the fact that there are people in our building that root against the Raiders. Oh, yeah. I can see why. <laughs> if you're a Raider fan and if you like go to ESPN Las Vegas for the press box, you probably want to punch Tyler Bishop in the face. I Ooh, get it. I would not go there. No, I like but Tyler I, but a I lot. But I see why they have that, that animosity, how Brad had that animosity towards Tyler. Because Tyler is very, he's looking at the numbers, and he and he can pull out a stat that'll okay. say, hey, the Raiders aren't that good. So this if you is, hear that on ESPN Las Vegas, you'll be like, who's this Bischoff guy saying that the Raiders are the worst wow. team in the playoffs? And he basically did say that. This is shocking to me. Shocking to me. Uh, that's why I listen to a lot of music in the car. I listen to Steph McKenzie. I love listening to Steph McKenzie. She's very pro Raiders. All right, that was an interesting open. We got Vic Tafer, who's going to join us. Johnny Katz as we're going around town in Vegas and what's happening here in town. And also Mike Petraglia. Trags is going to join us. He's the Bengals' jungle, jungle roar host. He's got a good following in Cincinnati. I want to dive into the Bengals and what the Bengals' approach will be. After the Raiders beat him, the uh, didn't beat him the first time around. Has to get the split. Has to win this game to advance. We're brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town, five to seven, midnight to two. And Daniel Carlson is on to put a little frosting on the cake. A little forty-seven yarder. Cincinnati! Yeah, baby! 
Brent Mutzberger on the call. What a year for Daniel Carlson. Five, five walk-off wins. Never happened before in the history of kickers. We're talking Adam Vinatieri, Justin Tucker. Come on. We're talking the greatest who have ever kicked. Tom Dempsey. Look at all the names. Morton Anderson. How does that happen? And how does that happen four times this year? He was AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. First time that's ever happened. So, look, we want him to make kicks in the playoffs and kicking outdoors. There's no guarantees. But he's been pretty much the best kicker in football this year because he's been the best clutch kicker in all of football. It was a tremendous signing. That's how he was rewarded with a contract extension. So we need Carlson to come up big again, and he's, he's missed a couple of extra points here. But he's been rock solid from 45 to 50 yards. I mean, he could just knock it through. And that was the most pressure-packed kick, one of the Mount Rushmore of all-time regular season history. As we said, that game on Sunday night went to the all-time category for regular season games. So if you take that and you admit that, then the kick to win it elevates that to the Mount Rushmore of biggest regular season kicks of all time, clutch-wise. So the kicker's been amazing. The punter's been amazing. Real quick story, David Hum, former Raider quarterback, and David was a great friend. He was my partner on the pre- and post game when I started. And David was a dear friend, a Bishop Gorman legend in Vegas, legend. The first ever athlete in t- to be inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Al Davis was here to induct him. That's still a high moment here in Vegas history. I was just talking to Tom Hum, his brother, in our break room here at Lotus Broadcasting. And Tom is a radio legend in this town. And I asked him about David being the holder. And how important that was. And he's like, JT, he held for Errol Mann. He held for George Blanda. He held for Mar- Matt Barr. I mean, I go, what was the pressure like on him? Because he won all those playoff games. And he was considered the best holder in the league. He said it was tremendous pressure. But he always did great. Can you imagine having to catch that ball in the wind, in the snow, in the cold, with the season on the line? And if you screw it up and can't get that ball down for the kicker, you get all the blame? The special teams for the Raiders has been outstanding, and they played really well against the Chargers. It's going to be important in Cincinnati. And I'd like to see Cole, the punter, A.J. Cole, punt the ball out of bounds. It's tricky to do in that weather. It's cold. The ball travels differently. But to do some Ray Guy coffin corners, get it inside the 10, bouncing out of bounds. Don't give Cincinnati an opportunity to make a play. Don't. Don't give their fans an opportunity to get out of their seats. Don't do anything that can motivate that fan base. Just get off the field. Now, you'll hear it tomorrow. I talked to Coach Passaccia about the last game. Mixon had a big game. He ran for over 120 yards. He had two touchdowns. He was magnificent. They had a tough time tackling him. They held Jamar Chase to three receptions, three receptions, under 50 yards and a touchdown. So he didn't blow us out. But since that game, Chase has been unstoppable, shattering rookie records. So he's a different player than the Raiders saw the first time around. He is. Jamar Chase is amazing. And if you heard our interview yesterday with Rod Woodson, Rod talked about the fact that when he breaks out of his break and he's cutting, if you hit him with that ball, he's gone. Someone had better tackle him. Casey Hayward has the ability to do it. But I really think this is the biggest game, and we said this maybe, I think I said it heading into the Dallas game. But then we found out that Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb weren't playing due to COVID. But for Trayvon Merrick, man, and I'm not happy that Jonathan Abrams hurt. 
I'd like to see Jonathan Abram play, but I was the guy that say that said bench Abram for Kansas City. Well, this is a game that would worry me if Abram was healthy because he would pinch up to stop the run and mix it, and there'd only be one safety back there. I believe the Raiders have to play very conservative on the back end. I think they have to play deeper, maybe a little bit softer, not the linebackers, not the corners. The safeties have to be the last line of defense and have to take great angles to tackle Jamar Chase. They got a couple of good receivers that may, that run after the catch. Passionate Raider on the Raider flagship. Go ahead. What's up, JT? How you feeling today, man? Feeling great. Thank you. Man, yeah, you sound like you're pretty fired up over there, man. Got me fired up over here. Sometimes I just want to sit back and chill and not call in, but you get me fired up, JT. You know what? I'm going to give my first shout-out this year. I'm going to shout-out to Passionate Raider, man. I've called in all year long, JT, and I've been hard and I've been fair and I've given love. But I was, you know, and I have apologized. I've made my amends. I was really hard on my team through that hard time this year because of the, the, the my lifelong fandom of loving this team. I, I mean, I just I, – I, I really thought I was at my breaking point, man. I, I thought this year was finally going to break me, man. But every time you feel like you're going to really break, it, it, it just never happens. You know, and I've never – I've got a big old shield on my arm, and I've got a cross on my forearm. Those are the only two tattoos on my, on my body, man. I love my Raiders till I die. I might have said it a hundred times. I'm done, but it'll never ever happen. So I, I'm 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 one of the biggest ones that I, that, that, that I want to call up. But also that Josh Dunlow guy. I think if that's how you say his name, Josh Debo, on Twitter, man. Since I've got on Twitter the past two months, I have never seen anybody try to dig up more criticism on Derek Carr in my life. It's like I wonder if this guy even goes to sleep. Does he just wake up all day long and just Google and study this and, and find every little nick and cranny wrong with this guy? So, hey, it is what it is, JT. I own up to my to my hard criticism. You've given me hell. I've given you hell, man. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to keep doing the passionate Raider. I'm going to keep fighting and hollering for my boys because, you know, they pulled it together this year, man. And I thank God for the men that he's put in that locker room to help Derek Carr become the man that he is becoming. Because it takes a team to win this thing, man. It's not one yep. man. It's a team. Thank Th- you, JT. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Good to see you hang in there now. Make your road trip out to Vegas and now be completely on board for the Raider Nation. Breaking news, the Texans have fired their head coach, David Culley, after one season in which Houston went 4-13. and Okay, the guy was waiting for a job. Years, he got one. They fired him after one year. Adam Schefter reporting 14 minutes ago. So now, it's incredible. Every year, just remember the number six. Every year, six coaches get fired. This year, I thought it'd be four. It's, it's six. And now it's seven. So we're over the top here. They include the Giants, Bears, Vikings, Dolphins, Broncos, and now the Texans. It's a lot of coaches available. A lot of coaches, people, I went on a San Diego show today. They asked me about Rich Passaccia. I said, what are you talking about, Rich Passaccia? Rich Passaccia is the head coach. He's not the interim. He's the head coach. That's how I report to him. Head coach. And we're in progress here. We're not talking about rumors with this head coach. This this head coach is preparing for a playoff game Saturday. We're talking about the head coaches that are on the hot seat and head coaches that are gone. Now the Texans make a move there. It's a big deal. It's a pretty good job. But 
if Deshaun Watson is not moved for some valuable assets and he's got a no-trade clause, why would you want that job with everything hanging over Deshaun Watson? You don't know what you're going to get, and David Culley took that job. And, man, how would you like to be him going to work every day, knowing that they haven't cut the quarterback? They can't. He's got a legal issue hanging over his head. The fans have checked out because Deshaun Watson's not playing. That was a dead-end job. It was an absolute dead-end job. He didn't have a chance, David Culley, in that position. Now who's going to take over? No clue. There's a bunch of coordinators who are ready to get elevated to head coach, but would you want that job? Would you want the Giants job now after Joe Judge and how bad that roster isn't over the cap? Yeah, you usually would, but look at the last three Giant coaches. Ben Mack, Pat Shermer, and Joe Judge. They all wanted that job. They all showed up and won the first press conference with their wives and kids there. Man, this is the job of my lifetime. Whacked. Done. You take a job with a bad team, you got less than a 40% chance to survive it. So I would take it. Anybody would take an NFL coaching job to be a part of the 32. But, man, these coaches are getting fired day after day. Big Jose out in San Jose. You're up next. Thank you. Hey, JT. Hey, man, I tried to get out to see you, but there were so many fans out there, man, I couldn't get to the you know to anywhere that any spots were open to meet you guys, so I'd have to make another trip through. Um, it was a great game. I loved the game. You know, I, when it got down to two seconds and called call timeout, that was savage, and people were celebrating that we're, we're going to the playoffs no matter what happens. I was like, oh, I want this kick because I don't want the Chargers to go because anybody but a division rival, right? Sure. And so, yes. No, you're right. I mean, who was, the Raiders were in that game to win the game. They weren't in. No one. I, I didn't know anybody hanging around with me or on the radio who wanted a tie. Uh, people around the country yeah. have no clue what, what, what the Raiders just win, baby, win means and what John Madden's yeah. family lighting the torch meant that night. It wasn't about a tie. For sure. And then, uh, you know, one person that's been, I'm not so much a detractor, but I've been a little bit disappointed in their support is um, here in the Bay Area in, in the Great America Niner Nation. Um, they're just like so much. They don't even want to acknowledge the fact still that we made it to the playoffs, which is good. I don't care. I don't listen to that radio anymore. Right. But Sean Salisbury does football, uh, the football hour here, and him and Low Neal, um, all year long, have just not given in the I'm surprised. Raiders a shot I, I, at anything. I'm surprised by that. Sean's a Raider fan. He really is. That's a team. He is. He's a Raider fan. I'm surprised to hear that. He's come on our show a few times. I'm, I'm very surprised yeah. to hear that Sean is not speaking up the Raiders highly. Yeah, he's uh, he even you know we you know I called him the show and mm. tweeted with him before back and forth and he even says he wore twelve because Kenny Stabler was mm, a yeah. idol growing up, right? Interesting. But uh, like every time I ask him, I'm like, "What do you think, Chargers or Raiders?" Like, oh, you know, I love my Raiders, but you know, if I'm being a professional and being okay. objective, I, I think the Chargers, you know, are going to mm. beat them. I was like, okay, well, whatever, you oh. know. But yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. I have no problem with people who pick against the Raiders. I have no problem with that. You're able to pick a game if you're a gambler, you bet against the Raiders and all that. That's not a problem here. I'm talking about the people, if you're joining us late, we're talking about the biggest Raider haters. Who are they today? We're only open for business. The shop's only open one day on this topic, maybe one day a year. Okay, I don't know why I brought it up today. I was driving in, and I was listening to someone say again, talking about the Raiders, but, 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 the Raiders, but... People just don't give this team the courtesy and respect even when they make the playoffs. They're Raider haters. They hate the Raiders, and we like to expose them for that. And, look, if they pick against the team because they think the Chargers or the Bengals are better, no problem. That's just picking a game. I don't know who's going to win these games. I just root for the Raiders to win all the games. I don't know who's going to win, 
And as I've said coming into this game, I really like their chances here because they're not playing the 85 Bears. They're not playing Tom Brady's Patriots in their prime. They're playing, I think, an average team. Now, if they blow them out and beat the Raiders, I'll tip my cap. But, man, I like this matchup better than on the road in Kansas City on a short week. I like this matchup a lot better than going into Lambeau Field if they were in the other conference and trying to beat Aaron Rodgers. You're playing a young Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You just beat a young Justin Herbert. You want to get these guys when they're young because once they get rolling, they're not going to be losing many games. Justin Herbert's this good right now? Woo! What is this guy going to look like five years from now when he comes into Las Vegas? I'm just hoping Boy Blunder's still the coach. If Boy Blunder's still coaching, then maybe he'll go for a handoff on fourth and one at his own 15, and the Raiders can steal a game. Coming up next, Mike Petralia will join us. He's a insider for the Bengals. We want to do a deep dive on this team and really find out what's clicking as of late with the Bengals since the Raiders lost to them in Las Vegas. I think the Raiders are playing their best football. Good time to be in the playoffs with this matchup as we're brought to you by Doghouse, my home for Monday Night Football this Monday. Well, here we go on third and goal. Jacobs is a running back. Motion is Renfro. He's looking at Renfro, fires to him. Touchdown! Jackpot, baby! Renfro went in motion, and Carr wanted him all the way. It was the only receiver Derek Carr even looked at. I got no problem when he zeroes in on Hunter Renfro, but with the year he had, keep going back to him. JT, back with you. Thrilled to talk to Mike Petraglia, kind enough to join us. A great insider for the Bengals, the Jungle Roar podcast, observer of all things Cincinnati. Mike, good to connect again. Thanks for doing this. How are you? JT, it is my sincere pleasure and honor to be able to speak with you. How are you doing? Right back at you, Mike. I've been thrilled to talk to you this week because we need an understanding of where the Bengals are at right now. Really high wins, some bizarre losses. The same could be said about the Raiders. Both these teams have had epic wins this year that are memorable and a couple of head-scratching losses. How are the Bengals right now coming off what was kind of a bye week when they went through the motions and their health heading into the playoffs? Well, I asked Zach Taylor what his uh, state of mind was uh, earlier today, and he said, "We're a very confident group. We're in a good. We are, we're in good spirits right now," is what he told me. And I think that's true. I think the Bengals feel very confident going into this game. They are healthy. They are rested. And JT, I cannot tell you watching that game Sunday night, oh. thinking if if the Raiders play have to go across the country and play on a short week where they laid it out all on the field, and the Bengals essentially had a bye week. I mean, they played mm-hmm. all reserves. All of their starters, especially in offense, did not play. They're going to be rested waiting for the Raiders to come to Paul Brown Stadium. That's, that is, of, of all of the wild card games uh, in the AFC uh, this weekend, I think that's a bigger hill to climb than even the Steelers going to Kansas City. I know what Big Ben said, but uh, the Raiders have a huge mountain to climb, and Max Crosby, He's got to have some help on defense. I agree with you. Mike Petraglia joins us. Mike, from our perspective out here in Vegas, we'd rather have Cincinnati than Kansas City because Kansas City has just been a house of horrors for the Raiders defending them. And, you know, the first game this year with Cincinnati, the Raiders were in that game, and Cincinnati pulled away in the fourth quarter. Mixon had the big game on the ground. They held Jamar 
uh, to I thought who was the, one of the best young receivers I've ever seen to only three catches and one touchdown. Let's talk about Chase and what's changed since. The role he's been on since he's left Las Vegas with that victory, this is one of the greatest finishes I've ever seen for a rookie wide receiver. I mean, it is. I, I don't think it's hyperbole, JT, to put him in the class with Randy Moss. When you look sure. at the numbers, the pure numbers, um, and that's what's made it so much fun, and the guy has his head on straight. He's a very humble athlete. He's a very humble rookie. Uh, and he loves playing with Joe Burrow. And I think there's a big security blanket there because the two played together, obviously, at LSU and won a national championship. And you can tell Jamar is in a very comfortable place, uh, even as a rookie. And the other thing that has really helped the Bengal offense is the emergence of T. Higgins. And, you know, he nicked up his foot yesterday, but I think he'll be fine for the game. Zach Taylor said he'll be fine for the game on Saturday. But T. Higgins stretching the, the uh, defense has allowed and opened up opportunities for Burrow to find Jamar Chase. And then you put Tyler Boyd underneath and you put, you know, some of the running backs or C.J. Uzama um, underneath in, in shorter and intermediate passing um, patterns. It really has allowed Joe Burrow to kind of mix and match and, and get uh, J, um, Jamar in some isolated one-on-one opportunities throughout the game. Mike Petragla is our guest. He is an insider for the Bengals and does a lot of things outside the Bengals. Fantastic guy to have on today. Well, what is the weakness with the Bengals up front? What's the weakness to their offensive line, and are they improving? Well, the, the weakness, without question, is over the ball and over the middle. And if you can generate some pressure up the middle, and especially over the right guard, um, that is where the Bengals have struggled protecting Joe Burrow this year. I think everybody knows he's been a hit and sacked an NFL high 51 times. And uh, Brian Callahan, whom I'm sure you know very well, yeah. um, said that is not a number we ever want to see again. It's way too high, but it's not all on the offensive line. Burrow, like the great quarterbacks, like John Elway, um, like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, uh, loves to hold on to the ball till the very last second to get the pass in the window he's looking for. That's why Burrow takes so many hits. And, you know, that is why, you know, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe had such a big game the last time these two teams played. Each had a a sack and a quarterback hit, and I think Max Crosby pressured Burrow three other times. Um, You can get to Burrow, but the thing about Burrow is he always seems to release the, the ball right in the nick of time, which is, you know, the trait of a lot of great quarterbacks. Mike Petralia is our guest. Mike, you know, I was surprised with Joe Mixon because as we talk about Josh Jacobs, Josh only had two 100-yard rushing games all year, and they were the last two. I'm sure you're seeing back in Cincinnati how great he's running the ball in these playoff games they had to have just to get to this game in Cincinnati. Uh, Joe had a big game here in Las Vegas, but I'm wondering, since November 28th against Pittsburgh, where he had 165, and the game before that here was Vegas, 123. It's been 54, 58, 58, 65, and 46. I'm just wondering what's happened to Mixon where he hasn't been as explosive putting up 100-plus yard games. I think that is just the result of the Bengals putting the ball in the hands of Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. not Mixon can't run the ball. I mean, I think if they really felt like you know they didn't have the weapons that they do in the passing game, they would lean a lot more heavily on uh, Joe Mixon. I mean, they the one reason Joe Mixon ran against the Raiders was because of the front 
that the Raiders do present in Crosby and in Gakwe. And not having Darius Pylon, by the way, I think that's a, a pretty significant loss for the Raiders mm-hmm. in the middle of the defensive line, especially if the Bengals want to try and run the ball and pound the rock and establish the, the physical presence at the line of scrimmage. That is something that the Bengals have worked on and have become much more proficient at in the second half of the season. And um, it, it'll be a curious uh, situation on Saturday to see which way jo- um, Zach Taylor wants to go with Joe Burrow. Do they want to throw more early in the game Do they like they did in, in uh, against the Raiders in November, or do they want to come out and really pound Joe Mixon? It probably depend a little bit on the weather, but uh, could also depend on you know, how effective the Raiders' pass rush is early in that game. Mike Petraglia, if you're a Raider fan, listen to the Jungle Roar pod, especially this week if you want to hear what this team is doing. You know, from another stats perspective, uh, Trey Hendrickson, I remember, was he going to be available when the Raiders got Carl Nassib or Yannick Ngakwe or a player of this type of caliber? And, man, is he leading up to that with the sack total here? I believe, and you can tell me the exact number of sacks he has. I was looking at it earlier today. I 14 just, and a half. 14 and a half sacks. No, Raider players don't have that. They got pressures here. What is he doing that is causing team fits? Well, they, the Bengals put him in great positions to get one-on-one with the tackle, uh, and they have Sam Hubbard on the other side. And uh, the, other, the, the real reason, I think, Trey Hendrickson has had such a great year is um, the, the middle of the defensive line for the Bengals is outstanding, and that is Larry Ogunjobi, the free agent from Cleveland, and D.J. Reader, who has had an excellent year for the Bengals, also on the nose. So those two guys command a lot of respect in the middle of the line, so you, eventually you're going to have to, you know, you can chip a little bit with a tight end on Hendrickson, but he's just been very explosive and, and had a very, very good year, and he stayed on the field. Hey, Mike, before you go, just something on the rivalry from Bo Jackson and the injury to Cincinnati and the Raiders over the years. What jumps out at you as the biggest moments of Al Davis, Anthony Munoz, friend of the show, the players from Ocho Cinco, the modern players, but the modern players that don't know about the early history of the Bengals and the Raiders that you know about? What jumps out at you? Um, I'm so glad you asked that, JT, because – the 31-28 game, Paul Brown's last game as head coach in the National Football League uh, in the 75 wildcard playoff the, the week before the uh, Raiders lost in the ice in Pittsburgh. Um, the Bengals almost came back from 31-14 in that game uh, in Oakland, and Ted Hendricks had a huge sack of Kenny Anderson uh, late in the fourth quarter and ended all Bengal hopes. I remember that very, very well. And uh, I was a nine-year-old here in Cincinnati growing up, and it broke my heart. Uh, but that's the last game in Paul Brown's historic, legendary wow. career. And uh, obviously everybody, you know, 35 and 40 and younger, I guess I'll say, JT remembers Kevin Walker. And the tackle that just didn't seem like a big deal down the right sideline at the L.A. Coliseum. And, you know, it was the last play that Bo Jackson would ever play in, you know, last game he'd ever play in, and mm-hmm. in the National Football League anyway. And those are the two two moments, obviously, that stick out. Uh, in that game, Jay Schrader had a big fourth quarter, scored 10 points uh, to lead the uh, Raiders back from a 10-10 tie and, and beat the Bengals. Have, you know, have not had great success against the Raiders, period. But um, they have. this will be the first time the Bengals are playing a team, a franchise, for the third time in their playoff history. Well, Mike, great knowledge. We'll send everybody to the pod. Great reconnecting with you again. I really respect your work. Thanks for doing this. 
JT, anytime. Enjoy the game Saturday. You got it. Mike Petraglia, good to get him on. That was my vision when we started this show on this station. Get the best guest. Get him and have relationships with him and put him on. So we booked Mike and we got him. And we got a guy who was equally as good at Vic Tafer. Next hour on the Raiders side, we'll talk to Vic about the health of this team and what's it going to take for them to have a good short travel week. Hey, man, I was in the building today. Place is sky high. Saw it with my own eyes. Raider Nation, unite on the flagship. Let's go!